Psalm 125. If I can ask some brothers and sisters to read this psalm that I read almost every day, among other psalms. It's Psalm 125. And uh, it's only a few verses. So, perhaps one person can read Psalm 125 first. Let's listen to what the Lord says. Psalm 125, NIV version. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Amen. 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 We have the elements concerning the Jewish people right here. But also to anyone who's righteous, that God won't allow the wicked to come and become a snare to his people. We can trust the Lord. Notice it says Mount Zion. Every time we hear Mount Zion, we know this is the mountain of God and it is in Jerusalem, but it also represents the future eternal Mount Zion the new Jerusalem where we're going to live. We're going to live in a city that is going to be the tallest structure the world has ever seen. It can house an astronomical number of human beings. God has everything planned out Perfectly, just as a carpenter or a house builder would know, the engineer would know the specifications and according to the needs or the desire of those who are purchasing, they'll build it to the specifications. If someone wants a house that can fit 20 people, the engineer is not going to say, I'll give it to them. It can fit 10 people, I'll give that house. To make sure this is how much room they need and this is what they need to do and whatever kind of activities that are planned there. Everything's considered before the structure is erected. Before it's designed. According to the needs, the person sits down and there's a plan on how to meet those needs. God knows each one of our needs. And so he has a perfect plan already, even before we ask him, because he knows it way before we ask him. But when we ask him, it gives us an opportunity to acknowledge who's actually doing it. It didn't happen by chance. And to get his favor, and he allows us to be part of the process, we get our faith strengthened. It's all our advantage. 
the Lord said, after you do everything I tell you to do, you must say that you are unprofitable servants. Not in a negative sense, but as a matter of fact. Not that we're useless. We can win many souls for the kingdom, but we're not adding to God's worth. We're doing what we're told to do. It's a blessing for us. We make our father's heart glad, but he's not gaining anything personally. He loves us so much. He keeps giving. He's a giver. God just loves to give. He lavishes love. It's amazing. The combination of the divine nature and qualities we see in the Bible. It's just amazing. There's no one like him. As India sang. I believe she sang this song. There's none like you. There's no one. No one like our Father. So he sees where we need to live. And he says, live with me. I'll be in your midst and wherever you live that I have you temporarily before that eternal tabernacle I'll be with you and then one day you'll be with me. The Lord said I go to prepare a place for you and if I'm going and I'm doing that I'm going to come back to get you so that you may be where I am. Hallelujah. Right now he's with us where we are. And where we are, he says, I won't allow. I will not allow. I promise. I will not allow the wicked to come on your property. Hallelujah. I won't allow the wicked to bother you and ensnare you. In Isaiah, he said, I will contend with those who contend with you. God said, somebody bothers you. He said, I'm going to come on the scene and take care of it. That's what he's saying. He told Abraham, I will bless them that bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse that person. God is overall. Man can curse someone and say, may you come to nothing and may you suffer and all those things. But when God does it, it's a very deadly, dangerous thing. That's how much zeal God has for his people, love for his people, that he shows mercy to the wicked, but if they keep harassing and they try to bring trouble to his people, he gets very angry. Look at how he dealt with the nations. He said Babylon thought she was a lady, decked out, and she said, I'll be a lady forever. He said, you are going to be humiliated. Why? He said, when my people were in captivity, this gives us some insight, you know, in Isaiah and the prophecy. He said, it wasn't just simply the Israelites taken into Babylon and they had some trouble on the way, the shackles and the the rough treatment there. But once they got there, everything was fine. Isaiah records, God was angry with the Babylonians. He said, when my people were held captive, you were mean to them. He said, I'm going to pay you back now. Oh, my God. No one can ever get away with anything before God. 
Whatever we sow, we will reap. But there's an escape route, just one, as far as the eternal reaping. It's when we come and see a scapegoat, a lamb, as John saw in Revelation, as it were slain to substitute. A wicked person can look upon the lamb and say, Save me. Forgive me. I've been wicked. I realized that. I didn't treat people right. I deceived people and I crossed them. I lied. I stole. I murdered. Can you have mercy on me? The heart of God is so good. So big. That even the vilest offender, like the song says, who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. The vilest, the most horrible sinner, offender, that people would not be willing to forgive. That person turns to God and says, will you forgive me? I'm truly sorry. I hate myself and everything I've done. I know I don't deserve anything, but I'm asking you because, Lord, you died on the cross to save the world, to save me too. The thief, the last moment, he said, Lord, remember me. He already got his day in court and he was already punished and he was going to die. But the verdict from heaven was contrary to the verdict from man. Although, they deserved it. They knew it. The thief on the other side too. But one man hurled insults on the Lord. The other man pleaded with the Lord. Well, he defended the Lord and said, Don't you know? We deserve it, but he didn't do anything wrong. Lord, will you remember me? Will you forgive me? He said, Truly I tell you, you'll be with me today in paradise. Instant forgiveness. I don't know of any other God. I don't know of any other religion, any other ideology or anything that comes close to this. There are people, famous people, people who were atheists, people who were communists, people who are other religions. I remember uh, a man with a pseudo name now. He was a young child prodigy in one of the Arab countries. I forget which one. And he memorized the whole Quran. And his uncle was an imam. And he was just adored by everybody, the community, everyone. He went through his schooling with flying colors. And then he was the youngest teacher in, if I remember correctly, Al-Azhar University, one of the leading Islamic universities, I think, in Iran. And he became a teacher, a lecturer over there. And he came across the writings of all of these Islamic uh, clergy. And he was reading the different books. And he started having a question. 
within his own mind. He said, why is this so bloody? Why is this this person we adore, Muhammad, why is he so bloody? And One day in his classroom, this young professor now, he asked these young students, have you ever considered this? And one of them went and told the chairperson, the head of the faculty. And he called this man over and said, what, what are you talking about? You're, you're the brightest person we know. Why are you bringing these thoughts about our prophet? He said, listen, I believe that everybody has a right to think for themselves. I didn't say anything bad. I'm asking them to consider. Why do you suppose he's so bloody? Eventually, he got thrown out and then kidnapped and tortured, and he made his way to the United States. And he read the Bible, and he gave his heart to the Lord. But people like him and others I've heard, when they came across the life of Jesus in the very first Gospel of Matthew, some of them just burst out into tears because they thought, how could a man be so loving, so powerful, and so meek, and then go the distance to pay the price for the crimes humanity has committed and rise from the dead? It was too much for them to contain emotionally, and they burst out crying. They said, the love is so powerful. You see that manifest in the same God who said in Psalm 125, I'm watching over you. You put your trust in me. You're going to be immovable like Mount Zion. You are going to be surrounded by me like the mountains surround Jerusalem. Natural defense. He said, I'll be all around you. I'll make sure the wicked don't come and try to bother you and get you to sin. Only God can guarantee that. So that we can have a, a virtual paradise in the midst of this very chaotic world. Verse 4 says, Do good, O Lord to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. We can never escape this. Never. As we heard yesterday in Life Training School. All over the Bible we see God is looking at the actions. He's following. He's tracking the actions of the people all the time. Because the actions show what's in the heart. He's checking the heart. And when he sees that we are one with him, we're walking with him humbly and observing his laws, his word, the law of life, law of love. He says, you don't have to worry about anything. I'm with you. I'll protect you. I will overturn any force that tries to come against you. I myself will step up and argue and debate and contend and crush anyone that comes against you. In that popular verse we quote from Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. The verses just before that, we read this the other day, the verse before that, 
It says, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. What is he saying? He said, the one that makes the weapons, I created that person. In other words, I know exactly what has been created and what the intent was, the design of it. And I also know the person who is going to destroy that weapon. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows all about everything. So when there's a weapon launched against us, the Lord said, I know exactly what the intent is from the person who created it and launches it. I know where it's headed and how much damage that particular weapon can do. But I'm telling you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because I also created the person who will destroy it. God is saying in verse 16, I know the end from the beginning. I know all about it. You don't have to worry. This is why the Lord said in the boat, in the Sea of Galilee, when the storm came and he was sleeping, he got up when the sh- they were shaken and they woke him exceedingly fearful when he, when he stopped everything when he calmed the storm he said where is your faith so why are you afraid why do you have little faith because he said I'm in total control don't be afraid oh we should praise God those who trust in the Lordship is Mount Zion which cannot be removed which cannot be removed. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from this point on and forevermore. He will protect us and our property. Anyone who rises against us, even before we go to the law, go to exercise our rights, We need to go to God. Expect expect his defense. Because he's faithful. Because he's promised. For those that trust him. That he'll take care of us. He's a faithful God. Laws can be passed against us. As it was against Daniel. Daniel has zero fear. A man. Who had 100% fear of God. Zero fear. 0% of man. 0% fear of any law. Just like his three Hebrew friends, Danny was a fearless man. That's what true righteousness, godliness, anointing will do. It'll come and take us over and change us. Where unbelievers will notice and at the moment of great destruction. Some of them will run like Rahab's relatives and say, I want to be with you. If you have safety because of 
your God. Can you please include me too? I want to trust in Christ. Some family members seeing our holiness, righteousness, godliness may say, surely God is with you. I want to be with you. I repent. I want to give my life to the Lord. Some lukewarm Christians backslidden, fearful. They'll see the difference between you and others in the church. They'll say, I've been very bad pretending to be a Christian, but hypocritical. Making my phone calls, my choices, doing whatever I feel like, and then coming and weeping before the Lord. I've been very hypocritical. I want to get right with God. I see everything's coming down. And only those who are righteous are going to be kept safe. And I want to be one of those. Can I attach myself to you? They should have done that with Noah. But only seven people did it. Instead of multitudes coming to Noah and saying, let us be safe also. Only seven other people got to be safe because they they feared. They feared God and what God said. So, in the midst of the promises, we have this quality God is looking for. Are you righteous? If not, we have no protection. Guaranteed. Now, God will... God has mercy, do things, but you can never say, I'm guaranteed. But the believer who's walking with God, we can say, I'm guaranteed protection, that my soul will be intact, and if I should be persecuted or martyred or whatever, you can't touch this inside me. I'm an overcomer. God is good. God is good. He gives me breath to breathe. He gives me grace to walk. He gives me perseverance to continue. Then again, grace to finish well. Blessed be the name of the Lord.